I would invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn with me to Luke chapter 5. And while you are turning there, uh, I will take a, a minute just to say, um, to bring you greetings from your brothers and sisters all the way over in Athens, Alabama. Uh, it is a, a joy and a privilege to be able to, to uh, be with you this morning while we are still meeting on Sunday nights, uh, still a, a church plant, um, and as you heard in the prayer, now looking for uh, a place to uh, call our own, and whether that looks like an all-the-time place with a sign that stays there, uh, or a sometimes place with a sign that gets put up and taken down, we shall see, uh, but be praying for us in that uh, search. Uh, Luke chapter 5, uh, beginning in verse 12. Hear God's word. While he was in one of the cities, there came a man full of leprosy. And when he saw Jesus, he fell on his face and begged him, Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus stretched out his hand and touched him, saying, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he charged him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and make an offering for your cleansing, as Moses commanded, for a proof to them. But now even more the report about him went abroad, and great crowds gathered to hear him and and to be healed of their infirmities. But he would withdraw to desolate places and pray. On one of those days... As he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there who had come from every village of Galilee and Judea and from Jerusalem, and the power of the Lord was with him to heal. And behold, some men were bringing on a bed bed, a man who was paralyzed, and they were seeking to bring him in and lay him before Jesus, but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd, They went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst of uh, before Jesus. And when he saw their faith, he said, man, your sins are forgiven you. And the scribes and the Pharisees began to question, saying, who is this who speaks blasphemies? Who can forgive sins but God alone? And when Jesus perceived their thoughts, he answered them, why do you question in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven you? Or to say, rise and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed and go home. And immediately he rose up before them and picked up what he had been lying on and went home, glorifying God. And amazement seized them all and they glorified God and were filled with awe, saying, we have seen extraordinary things today. Let's pray and ask God's blessing on the reading and preaching of his word. Uh, we pray, O Holy Spirit, as it is your function, your responsibility within the Godhead to be at work even now. Uh, taking that which you inspired and carrying it even to our hearts today. We pray that you would teach us that you would mold us, and that you would conform us more and more into the image of Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Leprosy is not a, a disease you and I spend a whole lot of time thinking about. 
It's not a disease that we run into very often. We don't know many people, any people that have leprosy. We've, we've changed the name in our world today. It's Hansen's disease, the, the really sort of bad version of it. It's in the United States. It's here. But it's not as prevalent here as it is in so many other countries in the world. Thousands and thousands and thousands of, of new cases of leprosy every year in places like India and Brazil and Indonesia and other countries throughout the world. This passage begins with a leper. A man who is full of leprosy. And the first thing we see in this passage is the compassion of Jesus. This man, he has this skin disease. Uh, it, it, it renders his nerves damaged. It will eventually weaken his bones. His skin is all kinds of funny colors and shapes. And uh, just, it's really a repulsive thing to... Uh, to look at. And this man, his real problem is that there was, there's really no known cure. I mean, you can kind of control it. You can, uh, you can um, keep it at bay. Uh, it may be contagious from time to time. And this man's dealing with this horrible skin disease called leprosy. And the solution in Old Testament Israel, if you go back and read Leviticus 13 and 14, these lepers are required to live outside of the camp. And there are all sorts of rules and laws and things that they have to follow. But the key was you had to keep them away from everybody else. You had to keep them away from the camp. You can't have this kind of sickness, this kind of disease spreading rampantly through uh, the Israelite camp. It would be tempting, I think, in in many ways to read Leviticus 13 and 14 and think of it as really, well, Moses just didn't know that much about medicine. Uh, It was sort of old medicine. It was old medical practice. And so when you don't know what to do, well, you just, you, you either bleed them or you just send them away for a little while. It would be easy to think that that was sort of old medical practice, that it was human wisdom alone. But don't miss the fact that Leviticus 13 and 14 is God's command to God's people. When people have leprosy, they had to be outside the camp. There's a reason for that, really, and that's because that throughout Scripture, leprosy serves really as a, as a picture of our own sinful condition. Leprosy reminds us, it's a picture of our Sin. This man is, doesn't have a little bit of leprosy. He's full of it. He's got a, a horrible case of leprosy, the, the language sort of indicates. Is that not our sinful condition? Is that not where you and I are? We don't have a little bit of sin here that can be managed or controlled with this little pill or that little pill. Ephesians 2 tells us we're dead in our sins. And we're hopeless apart from God's grace. This man, truth is, I don't really know what he's doing in the city at this point. He's not supposed to be there. He's walking down the streets and 
And he's, he's not supposed to be there. He's supposed to be outside the camp, outside of the city walls. And this man approaches Jesus. You know, there's a, there's a scene coming later in the Gospel of Luke. When Jesus and his disciples are, are walking down the street and hundreds of people are pressing in on him, dozens of people are touching him, and Jesus stops and says, Who touched me? There's a, a woman who's been dealing with bleeding for years reached out and just caught a, 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 a handle, a touch of his garment, of his clothes. And Jesus stopped and said, who touched me? And you remember the disciples' response? I mean, they basically said to Jesus, Jesus, look around you. There are dozens of hands on you at any given moment. What do you mean, who touched you? All these people touched you. That would not have been this man's experience. He's full of leprosy. As he approaches Jesus, where does the crowd go? Away. They back up. They put their hands up. They, they, they give him his space. He's got plenty of access to Jesus because nobody wants to be around him. Nobody wants to be near him. Nobody wants to, to risk the chance of, of catching this disease. And he approaches Jesus with one simple sentence. Jesus, I know that you have the power. I know that you have the authority. The question is, do you have the desire? If it is your will will that I can be healed, the authority is there. The power is there. I know that. If you will, Jesus, you can cleanse me. Notice Jesus didn't. Jesus didn't stop the man before he crossed the street. As, as everyone else, as any other crowd, as his disciples backed up away from Jesus and away from this leper, Jesus didn't. He didn't say, because he, he certainly could have. You stand over there and I'll just heal you from here. I, I can speak the words and, and make you well. That's that's not the way Jesus treats this leper, is it? He doesn't push him away. He doesn't keep him at arm's length. This man comes to Jesus desperate, hopeless, friendless, alone. And Jesus says, I will be clean. We see the compassion of Jesus. But Jesus doesn't just speak. Verse 13, Jesus stretched out his hand and he touched him. The word there is not an um, arm's length pat on the shoulder. It's an embrace. It indicates a, an intentional, forceful touch. More like a hug. When was the last time this man felt the warmth of a human hand? When was the last time he experienced something you and I take for granted? The touch of of another human being. Jesus reaches out and embraces this man. 
He's not hesitant. He doesn't question. He doesn't keep the man at arm's length. He identifies with this man. He identifies with this man's disease and is willing to embrace him. To show him his compassion. We see the compassion of Jesus. But there's more. Because Jesus, Jesus goes on in this passage. You know, we have, the, we have a tendency. Our culture, our world, our society today says that if you limit what I do, then you don't really love me. We say things like, you know, Burger King, have it your way. That it's not really loving if you say that what I'm doing is wrong. You can't tell me there's a right and a wrong. If you're really going to love me, if you're going to, and that's the heart of the Bible, people say, the heart of the Bible is to love, which means anything goes in their mind. That's not what Jesus does here. Even Jesus' love for this leper is limited. It's, it's bounded by Scripture. In Leviticus 13 and 14, there are all sorts of crazy laws, quite honestly. Um, there's, there's bloodshed. There's a, there's a leper outside the camp. There's the chance that he might be healed and he goes and shows himself not to a doctor but to a priest and there's blood shed and there's blood on earlobes and there's blood sprinkled on people and on altars and all kinds of crazy things that quite honestly you and I don't do today thankfully the reason we don't do those things is because Jesus came to fulfill those laws those laws are about uh, the ceremonial law they're about temple worship Jesus' blood is the blood of the Lamb. Jesus is the temple. We don't have those today because Jesus fulfills those for us. And yet, Jesus, who is coming to do away with the ceremonial law, to fulfill and satisfy the ceremonial law, notice what he does with this leper. He doesn't write a note and say, look, Uh, Go and show this to the priest. You know, the note says, this man is healed, trust me, signed Jesus. It's Jesus. You would think he could have that right. This is his word. The Old Testament law is his law. In fact, the Old Testament law is his law written by him about himself. He has every right to say, you know what, priest, I got this one. But he doesn't, does he? Jesus' love for this leper is bounded by Scripture. Even Jesus submits himself to the laws and commands of God's word. He says, go, show yourself to the priest. Why? Because Moses has commanded you to do so. We see the compassion of Jesus. We also see the obedience of Jesus. Or as as J.C. Ryle called it, the law consciousness of Jesus. Jesus sends this man to the priest and make the offering. Why? Because Moses said that we should. The law of Moses commands you to do that. 
That proves something, though, doesn't it? That proves, see, if we have leprosy, we go to a doctor. Because to us, sickness, disease, is a physical problem. This man's problem wasn't just physical. He went to the priest because his his problem is not just about his physical body. It's a spiritual problem. It's a social problem. It's a relational problem within the body of Christ, within God's chosen people. It's a spiritual and a relational problem as much as it is physical. This disease kept this man from the temple. It kept him from participating in the worship of God's people. And so Jesus says, you need to go to the priest because he is going to admit you back into temple worship. He's going to allow you to join God's people in the worship of their God. Jesus' love for this man, Jesus' compassion for this leper is actually bounded by, it's limited by God's word. It's instruction to us. How are we supposed to love people? Well, it is not loving to tell them, do what you want, enjoy yourself, whatever. It's loving to say, here's what God's word says. And I will love you within the confines, the boundaries of Scripture. We're called to care for the physical, the spiritual, the emotional, the relational needs of others, but in accordance with God's Word. We see the compassion of Jesus. We see the obedience of Jesus. Third in this passage, we see the mercy of Jesus. In verse 18, there's a a paralyzed man, and he wants to see Jesus. He's paralyzed. He can't take himself there. He finds friends. We don't know how many. Four? He's lying on a a, a mat, a a bed of some sort. Four, one for each corner, maybe six, maybe eight. We don't don't have a clue. We don't know know how many people are, are carrying this man's bed, but they're committed to getting him to Jesus. And they get to the house, and they can't get in the door. The place is crowded. They can't get in the window. The place is crowded. And you have to wonder whose idea it was. You know, here's an idea. Why don't we go tear a hole in the roof? We can, that's commitment, by the way. I mean, these men are proving their love for this paralyzed man. Okay, let's go tear a hole in the roof of this guy's house. Yeah, that sounds like a perfect idea. Because it's far more important, by the way, side note to us, far more important to bring people to Jesus than to care about the roof of your house and to care about the condition of the building in which you live. And, and the man's paralyzed. See, if you're going to lower one of us through the roof, you, the hole's about just big enough for you to, they're going to lower you feet first. This man can't do that. Five feet long? Six feet long? Two or three feet wide? The bed has to go down virtually horizontal. 
this isn't a small hole. These, they're ripping a hole in this man's roof. Does insurance cover this? They're, they're ripping a hole in this man's roof. There's, there's no indication of a complaint. There's no indication. Stuff starts falling. The room is crowded. Things are falling from the ceiling to the floor. They apparently guesstimated pretty well where Jesus was in the building and lowered him pretty close to right there in front of Jesus. And this man, he can't move. He couldn't get himself to Jesus. He couldn't go through the roof vertically. He had to be virtually horizontal. And Jesus does exactly what you and I would have expected Jesus to do. He does exactly what these men wanted Jesus to do. He looked and he saw these men and he said, Your sins are forgiven you. If you were this man's friend, wouldn't you be frustrated? If you were this man's friend, wouldn't you be confused? Jesus, you don't get it, do you? This man can't walk. He needs you to heal his legs, his bones, his muscles. That's what he's here for. You you think surely Jesus doesn't get it, or maybe we don't. Maybe Jesus knows our greatest need far more than you and I do. It appears that Jesus would have been perfectly content to let this man leave, still paralyzed. That's not what we come to Jesus for. We want Jesus to fix us. We want Jesus to to take away our physical infirmities. We want him to make us well. Jesus appears... To be perfectly willing to let this man leave, still paralyzed. If this world is all there is, then Jesus missed the point. If this world is all there is, this man's greatest need is physical healing. But Jesus says in that answer, there is a world that is far greater, far more important For which I am preparing you. Your sins are forgiven. Now this man is equipped for the world that is to come. Even if he seems to be ill-equipped for the one in which he lives at this point. We see the mercy of Jesus. The compassion of Jesus. The obedience of Jesus and the mercy of Jesus. What would give Jesus the right to look at this man and say, your sins are forgiven? His own death. At the moment he says these words to this man, Jesus sees an image of himself hanging on a cross, paying for this man's sins. Jesus says, I'm I'm taking care of your sins for you. They are Forgiven, and what would give him the right to say that he will pay for them himself? The compassion of Jesus, the obedience of Jesus, the mercy of Jesus. Finally, the deity of Jesus. The scribes and the Pharisees get it. 
They understand exactly what just happened. They know exactly uh, what's going on. If you break rules in your home, children, who has, who has the responsibility to hand out punishment? It is the parents. If we break the laws of the state, the state hands out punishment. If you commit cosmic treason against the triune God, the triune God hands out the judgment. Only God can forgive sin. Jesus just claimed deity. Jesus just claimed to be God himself. Because he he said, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the scribes get it. They are struggling. They're questioning in their hearts, their heads. They're thinking to themselves, whoa, 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 this man can't do this. This man, this is blasphemy by definition, unless it's true. This man just claimed to be God. You can't do that, Jesus. You don't have the right to do that. And again, Jesus appears to be perfectly willing to let this man leave. Still paralyzed. Because the only reason that Jesus heals this man is to prove to the scribes and the Pharisees that he has the right and the power and the authority to forgive this man's sins. That's what he says. Verse 24. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth, on earth to forgive sins. That's when he turned to the paralyzed man and said, Rise up and walk. Jesus claimed to be God. We see the deity of Jesus. Jesus claims his deity and then proves it, quite honestly, to the scribes and the Pharisees. That's that's why he healed the man. It's easier to say your sins are forgiven. Nobody can see that. Nobody can can witness that. Nothing happened to the man that made it obvious that, that his sins were now forgiven. Jesus heals him physically to prove that he had the power and the authority to forgive this man's sins. The compassion of Jesus. <coughs> the, uh, I've already forgotten the second point. Don't you love when that happens? The compassion, you have them. The compassion of Jesus, um, something else. The mercy of Jesus and the deity, or the obedience of Jesus and the deity of Jesus. How do we apply a text like this to us? Let me just make one application. You know when you've been outside playing in the yards, yard kids? You've been catching frogs, making mud pies, digging in the dirt, throwing ball. And it's time to come in for supper. The first thing said to you when you walk in that door after wipe your feet is, wash your hands. You know why? Apparently, dirty is transferable. Apparently, you can, you can transfer unclean. Dirty is contagious. My hands are clean. I go outside, I play in the dirt, I come back in, and my hands are dirty. Where did the clean go? 
You, you kind of, why isn't clean transferable? Why didn't the dirt become clean instead of my hands becoming unclean? Do you see the problem? Do you see the confusion, kids? I don't understand it. The clean just disappeared, and now everything is dirty. When clean touches dirty, the clean becomes dirty. Except in this passage. In this passage, clean grabbed hold of unclean. Where'd the dirty go? The dirty's gone. The dirty disappeared. The unclean has has left. In this passage, clean is transferable. Why? Because Jesus would one day take the dirty for us. Because Jesus would one day take the unclean in our place. He would be marked as filthy and dirty. And he would be sacrificed where? Outside the camp. Why? In our place. Because you and I are unclean. If you're not a believer here this morning, you think to yourself, you know, let me just get my life in order. Let me just get some things straightened out and and then I'll, you know, do the God thing. Do the church thing. Then I'll come to Jesus. That's not what this passage says. This passage says you come to Jesus filthy and dirty and then he will make you clean. You cannot cleanse yourself. If you're a believer here this morning, notice something about the two men that were healed in this passage. Look at verse 13. Immediately, the leprosy left him. It wasn't over time. And it wasn't mostly better. He was full of leprosy and immediately the leprosy is gone. The paralyzed man, what did he do? Verse 25. And immediately, there it is that word again. He got up, picked up what he had been lying on, and he went home. His bones would have been brittle. His muscles would have atrophied. He hadn't used them in who knows how long. Do you understand just how clean Jesus makes you? As a believer, do do you really understand that you cannot add to what Jesus has done to make you well? Jesus immediately cleansed you. Jesus fully cleansed you. Don't live like somebody who's trying to add to that. Somebody who's trying to improve on that. Live live as one who is immediately and fully redeemed by Christ. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are the infinite, compassionate, merciful, gracious, law-abiding God-man who took on flesh, who endured the pain and suffering that our sin deserves, who became unclean, who was marked as filthy, as dirty, Because it was our uncleanness that you had to take from us. 
Lord Jesus, we pray that you would give us the grace to live as fully healed, fully cleansed believers in this world. And Lord Jesus, we we long for the day when all of creation is rid of sin and its effects. And you return, and there's no more sickness, no more disease, no more sorrow. And you establish your kingdom fully and finally here on earth. Would you give us glimpses of that even now? Would you give us a foretaste of that even now? That we might sing your praises and proclaim your glory to those around us. Through Christ we pray. Amen.